You are listening to the Wyoming Park Bible Fellowship Midweek Podcast, which will be discussing last Sunday's sermon, The Magi from the East, from Matthew 2. I'm Becky Watson, and I'm here with John Dubois, my pastor and dad. How are you today? I'm doing real well. How are you all today? Good. Do you want to start by um, summarizing the sermon? Yeah, I do. I want to uh, first of all say that if in the background we hear a little bit of piano music, it's because uh, my son and your brother, David, is recording some things in the auditorium. So. And he's out of school. Yeah, so. so we might hear a little bit of background, but that's uh, a pleasant background. Um, the message this week was actually a, I admittedly, it was really topical that started with a text, right? I, I started with the text of the Magi, and I tried to answer the question, how did they know what was going on? And by implication, if they knew that Jesus was coming because they were so smart, what are we obligated to know today? Am I supposed to be just as um, accomplished in interpreting things like the heavens? And in our recent day in particular, you know, in my mind, it was the book that came out in the recent years about the four blood moons and how some um, people, I think the author of the book, made a big deal out of that, that that was somehow some kind of sign from God. And yet, um, if it was, I in particular and and most of Christendom with me were clueless and actually disagreed (laughs) with the sign and thought that the 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 uh, teaching through which the teacher got to where he did, he really distorted the scriptures and actually made the heavens say things that contradicted what the Bible says about the fact that we don't know when Jesus is coming back and things like that. So it became a message about how do we know what we know. And I, I try to point out that in the text, the best evidence is that somehow God uh, gave these magi insight through revelation. He helped them understand something. And then that is the way that we also understand what's true. And um, ultimately that God has to open our hearts and reveal to us the core of the gospel. And so today's discussion with you, rather than being necessarily a recapture or discussion of those specific topics, is really today's discussion is to further unpack um, and, and kind of put boundaries around the role of knowledge in our Christian life in general. Since the text told us, um, you know, how did they know? And then I talked about how we know different things and how God has to reveal it. And then in particular, the things we need to know in order to be Christians, mm-hmm. the claims of the gospel, that we have to believe that the claims are gospel are true. I'm using my fingers to count one <laughs> and two, but you can't see that on the podcast. Um, but the first one being the claims of the gospel, the second one being that we know that those claims are true. And I heard um, R.C. Sproul say today is you can't persuade yourself that something true, that something is true if it's not. If you know in your heart it's not true, oh, yeah. all of the willpower in the world can't make you believe something to be true that you're persuaded is not. Right. And so um, the ability to recognize that the the claims of the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus in particular, but his death and all of that um, is kind of a hard thing to come to grips with unless God gives you the ability to believe. Too. Right. So even that's grace. The, the faith to believe is by grace. Yes. But then thirdly and finally that we, um, in order to believe, we need to come to a personal acceptance of the gift for me and recognize that Jesus died for me and his payment for my sin. 
is um, on the cross. So, so that's sort of what we got in the message. Can I, keep, uh, can I take a moment here? Yes. And um, when you said that third point in the sermon, I was ready to push back and say, I don't think I'd put that as the third one, or maybe I'd add a fourth one. And that is, after you have uh, have all that knowledge, you have to humbly submit to it. You have, and, but you added that in as a... The evidence that it had happened. Yes, yes, the evidence, which might be a better way to think about it, except that it's all by grace anyway. So Yeah, um, and, and maybe not. Maybe your way is correct because Jesus does talk about, and the Bible talks about repenting and believing. And so the the uh, the... The whole notion of breaking it into steps is a chronological masking on top of an event that may not actually be chronological at all. It could be coterminous events, right? right? right. That that you realize, oh, Jesus is for me, and worship is instantaneous as well. It's not after the fact. But I do think someone could have knowledge of the gospel and understand that it was for them, like they had heard that, understood it. But still not accept it, not, not received it, not yeah. submit to it. Yeah, because um, you know this will probably come back in our conversation later. But so much is of it is about humility and humbling mm. yourself and humbly submitting to the truth. You For know? sure, and and I think that we will find in the judgment day even. Um, Many will have claimed those first two layers of knowing the facts, number one, and believing that they're true. And number two, you know, even Jesus talks about those at the judgment said, Lord, Lord, didn't we testify right. in your name and even do great works in your So they would even add evidences of their uh, following Jesus and believing. But he still says, depart from me. I never knew you. And so there is this, there is this um, willful, solical, um, somehow in your spirit decision acceptance that the Bible talks about and uses the word receive, um, uses the word born again, uses the word die to yourself, uses the words repent and believe. And the Bible uses all those things to describe that same new creation moment or, or transaction. And even the word moment is maybe too much of me trying to impose understanding. I, the, right. It may not be clear to us the moment it's the it's the transaction of the relationship that begins you know I, by analogy i don't know the moment that tammy um agreed to marry me or that i knew i wanted to marry her but there was obviously some kind of a moment because right. there was a moment in time when i didn't and there was a moment later sometime weeks later when i did and so that gradual process may have not been as uh, inflexive in a geometry you know as yeah. as singular as more of a process but it's complicated it's a relationship so i want to understand that it is a relationship right. well and i i guess what i'm kind of getting at is i i had a friend who went to church with me and knew all the things and w- once had a very honest moment and she said to me i believe there is a god i just don't want to worship him and I guess going, I mean, we all, that's sort of where everyone's yeah. at, if they're honest. Right. I'm glad that she was at least honest enough with herself to say that, because I'm afraid that there are many who won't actually articulate that last level of, I won't believe. 
they just go along and play mm-hmm. the game. And, and it, it breaks our heart to think of that. But that is a, indeed where a lot of people were. Um, I'm reminded of Judas, right? He knew Jesus personally and experienced even the, the miracles. Yeah. yeah, experienced even the Lord's Supper and that last night and still had already given himself over to a different path. And he was a son of perdition, the Bible says. And so, so it's a mystery in some ways, right? But, um, yeah, those three steps, um, the data, the ascent to the data, and then the personal acceptance of it are not mine. I'm, that's Calvin and mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. scholars who have recognized those different layers and right. trying it, to make the distinction my, between head knowledge and heart knowledge. And I do think it's ultimately right to put that submission step right. as an evidence. Yes. I mean, I, I, it was a corrective for me. Right. I'm not trying to correct you. Right. I think you're right. Um, we need to recognize that the fruit comes after. It's not the fruit. It's not the merit that exactly. grants you right. that salvation. Is, that is part of our the reason we the, want. I guess the right. when I say fruit, I mean repentance. Right. Repentance comes. Yes. It is part of the reason as Protestants that we're so precise in that language because we're so, we want to be so careful as to make salvation by grace not by works. And we don't want to imply that somehow we do something that um, accrues righteousness on our own and that somehow we have righteousness and then God can impute to us the rest of the package of Jesus's righteousness. It's not, it's, it's, um, it's not infused. It's um, imputed to us by the, the act of God. And so he declares us righteous. And as Luther would say, it's not a, a it's not just faith alone. It's it is salvation by grace through faith alone, but it is not a faith that remains alone. That there is the evidence of the faith because God's Spirit does mm-hmm. make a new creation out of us. Mm-hmm. We do begin to worship, and we do repent of our sins. So all of those yes. things happen. So for sure. <clears throat> so it's good to be precise in our language and. Um, Anyone close to these topics would recognize my efforts to try to use the right words about infusion versus imputation and other things right. like that. But those are kind of sophisticated. So anyway, what I wanted us to do is spend some time um, now further pursuing the limits of and the nature of knowledge in our Christian walk. And in particular, the risk is, of course, and this came out on a discussion on Sunday, is does being smart, does being knowledgeable somehow make us a better Christian? Is a, is a seminary professor who's acquired all kinds of PhDs, is, are they somehow more spiritual than an illiterate um, person who didn't have the same social and economic opportunities uh, living somewhere in a primitive region of the world who doesn't have those same kinds of educational resources is that educated person's um, spiritual insight, spiritual maturity, spiritual potential, is it somehow enhanced by their knowledge? It's a really important question because um, there's really two bad extremes that you can take. you know, I was thinking about when I I took a seminary class, um, you know, right after college, and I uh, took a hermeneutics course, and I did this big paper on the Transfiguration, like 30-page paper. And, um, 
you know, I did, so I read all these articles, right, from, from those professors. And so at, but at the end of it, it took a very long time. It was a lot of work. I remember I was finishing the paper, like I was in the uh, library at Cornerstone about to print it. And the truth of the story of the transfiguration, because I had done all these hours on these same 10 verses for all these hours of study on these same 10 verses, the truth of it was so powerful and clear to me. And I started crying because <laughs> mm. I had just been so moved because I had done all this and all of a sudden it made sense. Wow. God says, this is my son. Listen to him instead of Moses and Elijah. And it was just like, I didn't understand it before. And now I did understand it. And it was a moment of worship. It was mm. like as emotional as any musical worship experience I've ever had. And that is a really good thing for us to do. I believe it's so important for us to study God's word, work at it so we can understand it because there's the truth is not merely on the surface, mm. but there is so much in it as well. Yeah. But, but let me, but, let but, me wait, before, before you, I want to just affirm that for okay. sure, that it, that is a really cool gift of God that shows that for the learned, for the student, there is an unplumbable depth and reward for greater pursuit of knowledge about him so that's okay that's good right all right so, so you, that is a good thing that yes. I, I will not you know yield yes. that it's not a good right. thing but there is two extremes one of them is that those articles that i was reading a lot of them i could tell the author no longer believed that the stories in the bible were true hmm. they or they didn't submit to the actual plain truth of the scripture they would say something about the festival of booths which is when the transfiguration happens and they're like, well, it says this, but we know that it couldn't possibly have been that way because this, 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 or, or, you know, like. So their skepticism came through even in their um, analytical data. They had gotten to the point where they had abandoned the pursuit of scripture truth and had taken the word of uh, secular archaeology on over. Well, of course he didn't transfigure like no Mm. one would could do that. Like they took that as an assumption and then would, you know, obviously that didn't happen. So that's a really sad uh, place to be, to know the scriptures, but deny its truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, uh, it's, that's dry, thirsty land, right? Yeah. Jesus specifically rebuked the teachers of the law for that precise problem, right? That they, they studied diligently and yet missed him in the whole process, you yeah. And but the other side is um, a person who who might have the ability to study the scripture more than they do, and assume it's not worth it, and mm-hmm. to lose the opportunity to know God more through His Word. I mean that's that's a bad place to be as well. Because what kind of spouse would you be if you never s- studied your your partner and figured mm-hmm. out what they were like and mm-hmm. You know, if they re- wrote you a letter, you'd read it, you know. So, you know, th- those are the two extremes in my mind of either overvaluing or undervaluing the knowledge. Yeah, the the, <clears throat> the overvaluing <clears throat> to their own peril, right? That they actually thought that there was another way to become more sophisticated than the simple truth of the scripture. And by so doing, um, like when someone mentioned in the... Um, 
podcast, or not the podcast, but the discussion on Sunday about the um, Eve, right? These are this is fundamentally the sin of Eve is that she right. pursues she she pursued something that would make her wise, and she thought her own self wisdom was greater than what God was revealing to her, and that she could outdo and outperform and out and out and be happier through this other form of knowledge. Yeah. It's probably important to clarify that it's not the pursuit of the knowledge itself that creates a lack of, it's not like you're going to learn so much that you stop loving Jesus. That's not how it works. It's you pursue it in and of itself to its, as its own end. As like an and, idol. And you, yeah. Yeah, and you yeah. abandon Jesus. It's not, it's not like, um, I think there's probably people that, well, you don't want to get too much knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll get too sophisticated or something. No, God is so big. I mean, you can yeah. continue to any any field of study. You can take it to the end and find God's glory in mm. it all. But you you have to love Jesus first. You can't. It's like sort of a different. It's sort of not even related. You know, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So those two dangers that you talked about—the over pursuit of knowledge for its own sake, or the uh, abandonment of it because it doesn't matter. Those are reacted to in the church by both extremes as well, right? So the it is true that many a young person has gone off to seminary and then lost their faith and become um, apostate because they thought they would found something more sophisticated. I, I'm reminded of a pastor friend who um, wanted to worship God more and be a, a more qualified pastor, and so then he went and got a Ph.D. in philosophy, and in the process learned from godless men from the you know a godless degree in philosophical thinking and lost in a lot of ways his foundation because he couldn't um he couldn't rectify their their teaching with what the bible said and so he took another path and sadly he knew that their lives were in turmoil they were not able to um, answer the simple questions of life and yet he couldn't refute what he thought was their irrefutable arguments against Scripture. And so he kind of took a third path, which is not the gospel, which was really particularly sad. So but that, that danger has made the church, summon the church, fear education in right. general. Don't go down that road. Don't become one of those seminary students that has lost the gospel. We right. just want you to stay simple and follow the Spirit. So that's an overreaction in a different—but it is— well-founded because it is true that you can get you know wise in your own eyes in the bible paul warns knowledge puffs up it makes you proud and so it needs to be put in a context you were going to say something well i it's not the philosophy that made him that way right. though I mean, because R.C. Sproul himself right. is a philosophy major. Yeah. I mean there it, it's it's not that you have to be afraid of what you'll find out because i think that's that's something that's really close to my heart is that people who would be like well you don't want to study that because you'll go no all truth is god's truth you're not going to find something that refutes god but you have to think about the voices you're listening to if you are young and immature in your faith and you don't know the truth very well it's going to be hard for you to sort out what's true and what's not and for sure I remember what you're saying though is just because this one person did get overwhelmed by philosophical thought um it doesn't mean it's hopeless or it's inevitable that that would be the case like you said rc mastered all those concepts and studied the 
the writings of those who were atheistic and found the flaws in their thinking and it's always consistent they always violate one of the basic rules of logic somehow they contradict basic logic in order to get to their conclusions and so um it's not to uh, denigrate them or make them uh on purpose like stupid it's but it's to realize that the heart is desperately wicked and what it does to justify its own thinking and its own pride is always dangerous but i remember when i was about um in my early 20s reading um francis schaeffer's material and understanding that because the truth in god's word is actually true with a capital t i never needed to ever fear any questions or any assault because the truth is able to stand any interrogation when you build a a framework of lies it's super stressful to defend that because somebody somewhere is going to point it out and prove with the truth that you're lying in a super hard. But when you walk in the light, like Jesus says, when you walk in life, you don't have anyone to fear because the truth is self-defending. And and even if I don't know how to answer some sophisticated argument, I can still rest confidence that it must be a false argument because it's contradicting God's clear right. truth. And And I've learned over time that it is true, that all of these... Uh, attempts to overthrow the truth of the gospel are really just that they're false and frail attempts to overcome the clear the clear and um and powerful true truth of god so so i think we've gone down the the road of um understanding the fear of studying too much but understanding that it's it's an an unnecessary fear and we don't need to be afraid of it but the uh, the other side that um, it's not worth studying, I guess that is the same argument as to, to be afraid of studying too much. But uh, I, I don't want to err in the way of, um, well, let's just, um, since God gives us his revelation through his spirit and through his word, let's just not study at all. Let's just go with only absolute truth, or excuse me, only revealed truth. And then God will, unless God gives me an inkling in my spirit that something's true, I'm not going to do any reason. And that story of that, that pastor that I told who lost his faith with his PhD, that was his solution, was to find some other kind of supernatural thing. He couldn't trust the Bible alone. He had to go to his own direct revelation. Well, that's a super dangerous place to go, right? right? Because that's almost like letting your emotions be your boss Mm -hmm. or the final authority. And and unless in in his own thinking he had some sort of a direct revelation from God, he didn't have any foundation. And so when those experiences, in his own words, dried up, then he was left in a wasteland. He had no objective truth to go back to and to rescue his soul. To submit to. Yeah. He, he, he couldn't submit to just the simple revelation of God because he had already established in his thinking that it wasn't sufficient. Right, so which then was now, the false. Exactly. Thing. And so when he failed to understand that God's word is sufficient, then he, he left himself in a wasteland where he had no objective thing to help him manage his own doubt. And so now he's in a place, or he, you know, last I knew, he's in a place of hopelessness that God had somehow led him down this road that there is a way to know but then since he wouldn't accept god's simple truth in the bible right he um he he was without any hope then and it's so sad because um god gives his word and he makes it really clear that it is 
everything we need for life and godliness. And whatever else it doesn't answer, we must not need to know. You know, the Bible's, it was helpful for me again to recognize again through Francis Schaeffer that uh, God's word is sufficient, even though it's not exhaustive. Mm -hmm. It doesn't tell us everything. We don't know exactly how Satan became evil at first, but we don't need to know that. It's sufficient for what we need to know. And we can be humble and um, trust God, trust him as a person, that he's told us what we need, that's enough. Right. And so that's a humble position to take for sure. That's why I think an organizing principle for your faith is humble submission. Like if you're not doing that, then you've found some other gospel or you've found some other truth because going down that path of your trusting your own emotion, it's exciting and you're fascinating, blah, blah. Yeah. But if you're not submitting to because we like you said we're we're desperately wicked mm. we we need to submit at every turn and if it doesn't feel like submission you have to be skeptical that it's the truth you know amen i, I like how tim keller would encourage a person who's having doubts about the truth he said you need to doubt your doubts too yeah because we are wicked and our our thinking processes and our, our bias are so strong. We want to be our own God so right. much that we are so quick to set up an idol. And those idols can be our doubts. And we say, well, I can't trust Jesus because or because of this or because of that. Uh, you know, I don't understand the source of evil or how could God let a good person suffer, all these things. We need to doubt where those doubts are coming from because they there are answers in the Bible. We just have to humbly accept them. Is he them. the same one who says... Whatever um, parts of the Bible are hardest for you to accept, you need to believe the hardest, or something like um, that. I do. Th- I've heard that before. I think of uh, R. C. talks about that too. The hard sayings of the Bible. I've even often quoted um, Samuel Clemens. Is that the guy who wrote Mark Twain? Samuel yeah, Clemens. Yeah. That's his Mark. Uh, well, Mark that's Mark Twain's uh, real name. Um, it's Mark Twain. Yeah, his pen name is yeah, one Mark of the Twain. other. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he said it wasn't the parts of the Bible that he didn't understand that scared him. It was the parts that he did understand. For sure. In other words, the, it's the same old thing, the main plane. Main I, things I, are the I plain think things. I saw a tweet or something then that said, if there's a part of the Bible that you're uncomfortable with or you, you kind of want to throw out, you need to double down on that one yeah. more than anything yeah. else. Like, yeah. like you know, if, that, if, that's, if you're all good except for this one right. part, that's the part you need to focus on. Yeah. There are a lot of good preachers will say that because that's for sure the truth, right? We need to um, understand. And, and I heard recently Tim Keller on the um, when John the Baptist was in a, a crisis of doubt, are you the one who is to come? And part of Jesus' answer was, look at the teaching, look at what I'm doing, look at the impact on the poor. Why would I be telling the poor these things? That goes against all of the other manipulative moves that religion usually makes, and that's we're loving mm. the poor. But the other one was that the um, the word for violence, that forceful men, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully, forcefully advancing yeah. and forceful men take hold of it. That word for forceful is a very difficult word to translate because it is the word for violence, and it, it implies both ways. And that, and he thinks that, and I think he's right, that the violence is a double edge, that you have to be a violent person to take it, and it itself is violent. And what he really means, what he's saying is that Jesus' words step on your toes yeah. big time. He is not going to be... Um, he is not going to be um, 
not Lord in your life. He's not going to come to you on your terms. He's right. going to come on his terms. And that feels violent. The conversion that yes. Paul experienced on the Damascus road was a violent yeah. experience for him in the sense that his soul was torn up and he had to refute and accept things that he did not previously accept. It's like the word of God is sharp, right? It separates it divides, and it, so the violence isn't external or oppressive like we think of violence against people. It's right. violent to our, our self. We right. die to ourselves and accept a new creation. That's exactly what I'm describing yes. when I think of these, the humble submission. Yeah. I heard a testimony <laughs> one time um, of a man who, had, uh, who was suicidal, and he was going to commit suicide, and he felt the Holy Spirit tug at his soul and he said it felt like the feeling when you're looking at something you shouldn't on the internet and your mom knocks on the door Mm -hmm. that like uncomfortable i hate that i don't want to be found out i don't want exposure exposure. and it's you have to be vulnerable and you just and i just like that really i i recognize that there are times where you you have you know you have to uh, repent and submit and it is like the worst thing (laughs) (laughs) like almost anything would be better you know yeah no wonder adam and eve hid right yeah and it reminds me of job at the end too he said i heard about you before but now i've seen you and i repent and dust and ashes he was shredded on the inside because god had the right to do whatever god wanted to do and that's a painful that's a painful thing and And again, back to that whole story of John the Baptist, Jesus says, blessed is the one who doesn't take offense on account of me. I am offensive, for sure. There is no no such thing as a non-offensive version of Jesus. You've just got to come to grips with the offense and understand, oh, I'm the sinner. And the king needs to come and die for me. And that's the problem. And that's the salvation. And so that radical, offensive violent nature of Jesus's claims. He can't just be, he can't be Mr. Rogers. He can't just no. be a nice teacher. And he, he's, he's either- Or a pretty super, Instagram right, post or- He's super evil or he's who he said he was. And that's God, the one who has the right to make you mm-hmm. his subject. I am the king and you will bow down and say so on your knees. And so we worship right when we accept it or else we are condemned if we do not well our time is is getting longer than we like to do it would almost be fun to do a a part two of this one but what i wanted us to understand is that the kind of knowledge that we're supposed to grow in is this kind of knowledge it's the knowledge of the gospel it's the knowledge of jesus's work and his the magnitude of my fallenness and the, therefore the understanding of the sufficiency and the magnitude of his gift and then um, his work, his sacrifice. And then ultimately what we get in Jesus. That's the part we're supposed to grow in more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the text, um, I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight into what Jesus has done for us. And so yeah. that's it's Any... not school book learning alone. And my original question is, can I be more spiritual with all of my education than that um, woman in a third world country who doesn't, who's illiterate even? And the answer is no. She can know that love of Jesus and probably in a deeper way than I do through her suffering and through her experience of him personally 
It is like relational knowing. I know my wife better than anybody because of the time I spend with her. And anybody can know Jesus that way. And studying is, if that God gives you that kind of gift, then go for it. But if it's um, relational, then you go for that too. But it's all the same, knowing more and more about Jesus. Right. And the, um, the Christmas story illustrates this it's um this concept because the wise men came but also shepherds and they weren't students and god is in control and orchestrates things so that if you are seeking his knowledge he will bring to you he will enlighten your thinking to understand what you need to understand right like um uh, ephesians says that our our those who aren't in Christ are futile in their thinking, yeah. but Christ darkened, darkened, right? Um, and but He's uh, He brings light to that, and He helps us understand. Yeah. And He He um, He enlightens Scripture, and the way He does that is through words and hmm. reading and yeah. teaching. And I I'm, I can't help but think unto whom much is given, much is required. And so those wise men came to Jesus and worshiped, and so did the shepherd, little boys maybe even, young boys like David, came and worshiped. And and at that place of worshiping Jesus, they look, if they had been at the same place, we understand, but right. in the typical um, nativity scene, they're right. at the same scene. Right. But in it's a foretaste of heaven because in that place, both fully validate and appreciate the other, right? The educated yeah. one loves his brother in Christ, mm-hmm. the shepherd, and vice versa. The shepherd can appreciate that the educated, they also know. And so there's a equality, um, a glorious unity before the cross that great and small. And a mutual need for the yes, other. And totally, under, exactly, they totally understand that this is their blood-bought brother and sister in Christ who's at the on their knees as well. And that the all of the vast knowledge of the learned points them to totally get the unlearned is just as much a right to be there and can look, teach me things about yes. the gospel. Yeah, that's well said. And so, and so it's a pretty cool thing, really, to rejoice in the the fact that were it not for God's revelation, were it not for what Jesus did, I would never get it all at all, right? I would only be lost in my own intellectual folly. I need to know Jesus, the person. And all the education in the world can't take that away mm-hmm. or add to it apart mm-hmm. from his blessing. Right. So, Any last thoughts? Does it make sense? No, I like that. Do you forgive me for taking us over time? <laughs> <laughs> so, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of knowing Jesus. Jesus, why did you do that for us? We are still so amazed that you would love us that way and give yourself on the cross. Thank you. Thank you for what you did. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our midweek podcast. This podcast was made by Wyoming Park Bible Fellowship uh, Church, which is a church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information about our church, we hope you visit our website, wpbiblefellowship.org. Have a great week and a Merry Christmas. Thank you.